What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to episode three of the Mind If I Crash podcast. Rocking solo today, just me, your host, Mr. T. Got a whole bunch of shit I want to talk about. Lots of goofball activities, lots of trippy conversations. I do want to get into some some heartfelt topics, uh, and that's probably going to come later. I am going to let you guys know I have purchased a new mic, so if you notice anything different, uh, that's definitely what it is. I have two mics now, one for me, one for the guests, and you know it's something I'm looking forward to. It allows me to kind of take this podcast to the next level. So let me know if the feedback is okay. If you guys are hearing everything just fine, I'm going to try to limit any outside noise if that's possible. This microphone's pretty good. So without anything else, let's get into the episode. Thank you guys. Let's get into it. I remember uh, the end of the year, about a week left until summer break and uh, the history teacher drops a bomb on me. She wants us to do a take-home project that is due before, I think, the last two days of school. We got to present it in front of the class. And the one thing I don't like is homework. Up until the day that I was done with school, I did not like homework. I would do all the work in the world in class, but not, not homework. Come on, baby. Especially before summer. The end is near and you drop a bomb just like that. So, I do what any child naturally would do. I don't do the assignment. Now, I didn't realize that this assignment was worth 25% of the overall grade. So, I didn't have anything to turn in. So, she made me get a, a sheet form signed by my, by my parents. You know, acknowledging that I would be taking an F for not turning in the assignment. So, I need to think quickly because I know with summer this near, I can't kick off summer by being grounded. So what do I do? I come up with this extravagant lie. I go up to my teacher. I say, Miss, my parents aren't in town. They're not able to sign it. She said, we'll have whoever you're with sign it. I said, I can't. My older brother's watching me. I don't even have a fucking older brother. That's, that's ludicrous. That's an insane thing to say. I already fucked up. You know, I'm, I'm barely into the lie and I've already fucked it up. But time to rebuttal you know so I make up this excuse that my parents are in Las Vegas and they won't be back for two weeks obviously two weeks from now I'd already be a week into summer break so it kind of works out for me well she says okay you understand that this is going to affect your grade I said do you know what it's going to do and she said no I won't until the report card comes out I said well when is that she said about three weeks after school lets out I said okay so, you know, I'm enjoying my summer break. I'm playing with the with the kids in the neighborhood. We're running around, getting hot, sweaty, fucking running from dogs and getting in fights. And I come home one day about to fix me a hot pocket for lunch and then go back out. And I remember my mom is sitting at the kitchen table. I can tell that she is not happy. I said, what's going on, mom? I'm going to make me a hot pocket. Go back out and play with my friend. She said, no, you're not. My heart fell through my asshole hit the ground I said why she said well I see your report card here I said well what does it say she said well you got a D in social studies man that heart jumped back in right up into my chest then boom fell out of my asshole again I said well how could that happen she said well I called your teacher apparently when we were in Las Vegas you didn't do an assignment man 
my, my heart wasn't going to do the hat trick on the ass jumping. So it just stayed on the floor. Man, she was so mad. Not so much about the, I mean, she was mad about the assignment, but more so that I made it out like she was a bad parent partying in Las Vegas while her, while her child was in school. I don't think that the teacher told her about the older sibling thing, so that was cool, because man, she was pissed enough, but I spent that entire summer grounded, the entire summer. I was mad upset, I, you know, and, and that'll do something to a young mind. It was like being in jail. Y'all ever heard the song uh, Locked Up by Akon? It was around that time when it was on, so I used to play it on my CD player every day when I wake up in the morning. I'd be doing my chores, listening to that song like I was in prison, you know. And I got locked up, won't let me out. I'm little T just dancing, singing in his room, you know, doing his thing, picking up his toys from the from the little toy party he had with himself the night before. You know, so, man, that was a rough summer. Go back to school, bounce back tough on the fifth grade side, do all my homework, got the good grades, you feel me? Wasn't letting that happen again. I spent a lot of my childhood grounded, though. And, and for that reason, I think it kind of fucked me up as a as a young adult. And it's really from my doing. But, you know, that'll do something to a kid. You spend a lot of time just in your room. And when I got grounded, I spent it in my room, away from any electronics. I don't really have a whole lot. So, in my imagination, get the best of me, I'd start playing with toys. I played with toys until I was, like, in high school, which is a little weird, you know. Uh, it'll just do something to you. And it probably explains how I, I turned out in my later years. But, hey. A lesson to be learned there. I'm good now. I've learned from it. Took me, took me about an additional 15 years to learn, but I did. And uh, you know, I can say I'm a better man now because of it. If you're gonna lie, make sure you fully execute. That you dot your eyes, cross your t's, because that shit'll get back. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Karma doesn't forget an address, baby. What's next? When I was around 18, 19 years old, me and my friends liked to do some uh, some trippy activities, if you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, one night I got off of work a little bit late. My boys had already entered the void on the trippy side. And so I'm showing up about an hour, two hours late, right? But it's never too late to sign in and chat with your boys. Just like Instant Messenger. Take me a little sugar cube with some trippy sauce on it. Bow, right on the tongue, right on the kisser. Sign in, username, Lil Tristan23, bing bop, signed in, let's chat, boys. So they're all around the fire, they're giggling and shit, they're in the giggle phase, it takes about a good hour to get to that point. I'm not there yet. Someone says, hey, let's go to that park we like to go to. She said, yeah, that's a good idea, jump in the car, got the sober driver with us, we're not dumb. Cruising there, listening to Jimi Hendrix, start to figure out what he's all about. Let me just tell you, I like it. I like what I was listening to, Mr. Jimmy. I see you. I understand you now a little bit better. And I like it. You real trippy dude. Especially when I'm tripping myself. So we get to where we're going, right? We start walking down the little path. It takes a minute to get to where you're going there. And, you know, we stop in this giant open field and we're looking at the, at the stars. A beautiful night. All the stars are out. But when you're when you're on that shit, all the stars kind of connect as one, like little angel hair. And so we're all looking up. I put my arm around my homeboy, right? Just taking in all the beauty of the sky. And we see the shooting star go by. Bam. 
and I watch our heads turn as we're watching it, just me and him. We look at each other afterwards. At one point, I thought we was going to kiss on the lips, but we didn't. We were the only ones that seen that shooting star, and let me tell you, that was an amazing thing to see. So we start walking again, right? We want to get to the water. That's where we like to be. We think it'd be cool to experience that, you know, at, at, at in this point. So a buddy that had been there a few times, he starts leading the way. You know, we're linked arms like those little monkey toys you used to have when you were a kid. And I get this feeling that we're approaching danger, right? So I kind of throw my hips back and, and lock my arms steady and make the rest of the the group stop i'm in the middle of the line i put the other hand back i said stop for a second everyone stops i said i have a bad feeling about this can someone just pull out their their light real quick and this is before everyone had a a light on their phone so my buddy rustles around he pulls light a little mobile flashlight out of his pocket bing hits that thing what do you know we're standing on the edge of a fucking cliff look at the dude leading the pack i said i thought you'd been here before bruh he said, I didn't think we were that close. I said, not cool, homeboy. Take us back to the beginner's trail. So we finally get to where we're going. We get down to the little creek by the water. And, we, you know, we're having a good time. We're just kicking it, walking around, you know, waiting for the sun to rise. And eventually that sun comes out. And it's a beautiful sunrise. Sky turns a little pinkish orange. And I remember we want to split up in groups and kind of go, you know, experience this in in smaller groups because there's so many of us and one of my homeboys it was his first time doing this he's locked in eyes on me and he just says i'm cool with splitting into groups but i'm not going with t and everyone looks at me they're like what'd you do i said i didn't do nothing i know it's his first time doing this i didn't do nothing i didn't actually didn't really talk to him he's just like it's just his eyebrows they're fucking with me right now And here comes the jokes from the squad. What's he talking about, T? What's he mean, your eyebrows? And if y'all ain't never seen these beautiful eyebrows that I call mine, the boy's thick. The boy's thick as hell. Little caterpillars. But I own it. It's who I am. So I said, all right, you little no eyebrow having fuck. You don't need to be in my group. Fuck you. So I send him on his way, right? You know. We wake up the next day and homeboy was cool and all. But I still think about that from time to time. Don't think I forgot you dog my eyebrows. I used to get in fist fights back in school. I got into a, a fight with three motherfuckers before talking about my eyebrows. You know, they were saying some foul shit. I gave homeboy my books after class, punched the first one in the fucking face. A little brawl broke out. I don't play that. I don't play that shit. Obviously, I'm a grown man. I can't go around punching people in the face no more. But if I could, I would. Let's keep it going. Took me a little trip to McDonald's today. Went to McDonald's. Give me a little uh, Travis Scott meal. $6 with a Sprite. Large Sprite. Took my little brothers with me. They were the ones that told me originally about this little meal. You know, and I went there and... I guess the idea, the concept of it is cool, but just like with the Michael Jordan meal, they didn't know what the fuck I was ordering. You know, they, they had no clue what I was saying when I, when I was saying the Travis Scott meal lady asked me what I want to drink. It says it comes with a Sprite. Fuck you talking about, you know? So yeah, it was cool. Poorly executed on McDonald's part. So 
I'm going to have to speak with Travis Scott about this one, see what he thinks. But I'm just going to tell you now, the meal did not go sicko mode. That's for sure. I just thought y'all should know that. I have lost a sickening amount of friends from drug addiction. And almost everyone knows someone who's been affected by addiction. And almost everyone knows someone who has lost their life due to addiction. I think now... It is definitely looked at in a different perspective because it has touched literally every part of the globe. It does not discriminate. And that's the main thing about addiction. You know, I think in the recent rise in opiate use, especially with uh, fentanyl and carfentanil hitting the streets, that you're starting to see a lot more people. You know, you're starting to see a lot more casualties, I should say. And there's times where I feel like I'm going numb to it. And then there's times where it cuts deep. And this month I've, I've lost someone that, that cut pretty deep. What I will say is that it is never too late to reach out and get help. If you know someone, you trust someone, reach out to them. Let them know what's going on with you. Allow them to get you some help. If you don't know anyone, reach out to me. I can get you the help that you need as long as you want it. I can have you in somewhere in probably less than 24 hours. I'll come and get you if I have to. It's It can be prevented. This can all be prevented. It's easier said than done. And I can say standing on the other side of things that it's easier for me to say. Um, but man, it gets dark. It gets really fucking dark. And I know what it's like to be down and out. You know, there was times where I didn't want to admit that there was a problem, so I would act like it wasn't there. I would ignore it. I would deny it to my friends and family. I would make up lies and excuses. And then there was moments where I would acknowledge that it was there, but didn't want to do anything, you know. And it took me losing everything three or four times over for me to finally throw in the towel and say enough is enough. But it doesn't have to be that way. My story does not have to be yours. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, reach out and get help. There is always a better way of life than that life that you are living. I will say that, you know, it's it's about getting uncomfortable. It's about acknowledging what it is that makes you who you are. And that's kind of hard looking at the man in the mirror or the, the woman in the mirror and pinpointing what it is that makes you do the things that you do you know and a lot of a lot of the times it's my shortcomings as a as a man as a person it's it's what i lack in you know my in myself and it's not easy but it can be done and once it is you feel a lot better i will always be there for anyone that needs help and a lot of people are a lot of people are are willing to help if if you want it don't ever think that it's too late or that you're helpless because that is just another excuse whatever you need do it it's insane how fast your life gets better once you do what you need to do to take care of yourself i mean there are things that I never thought would happen to me and I've accomplished these goals and then some in such a short period of time that that's just truly a gift from God 
or whoever, whatever you're, you believe in. I'm not saying it has to be God, but whatever. You know, there's just a lot of blessings in life. And as long as you do the footwork, you're just going to keep getting blessings, brother. It's amazing. I don't, I don't want to be preachy, but I do want to address it. We'll get back into the episode. Where do you have to be mentally to purchase a lady of the night? You know, mentally, physically, you got to have some fucking balls to go drive to the shittiest part of your city. And when you get there, how does that work? Do you request they all line up? You know, what if your your favorite person is with someone else? Is there some jealousy there? How does the pay plan work? Are you compensated well if if that is your duty, if that's your job? What's the pay plan like? Can you file a complaint with a manager on duty? Or do you get paid like you work at fucking Chili's? Hi, welcome to Chili's. I certainly hope not. It can't be safe. I'm not judging. I'm not here to place judgment. I have no judgment to give. But I am curious. Definitely curious. Not something I'm willing to try. Not something I'm considering trying. But definitely have some questions for anyone involved. So if you are a gentleman listening to this and you've purchased a lady of the night, I'd like you to come on the show and do a quick q and I'll leave you anonymous. Not going to put you on blast. You know, have your shorty tripping, hearing your name, hearing your voice. I'll do one of them cool muffled voices, but I want you on the show. I'm going to ask you some questions, bubby. So be prepared. Hit my line. So there is an older gentleman that I met about three years ago when I was getting my life back together. And, you know, our, our paths crossed and our, our backgrounds are pretty similar in, you know, the things that we do. Uh, but this gentleman is an ex-convict, probably a part of one of the biggest methamphetamine busts in Ohio. Um, but then, you know, that's not who he is anymore. You know, there's, there's a lot to this man and, you know, he's got so much knowledge. Uh, this isn't a... A motivational speech, though. This is a story about when he was trying to convince me to go to treatment. So this dude shows up at my house and I'm sleeping, right? I'm trying to kick a bad habit right now, going in the middle of uh, opiate withdrawals. I'm feeling rough, feeling sick. And, you know, I'm finally getting some sleep. It's probably around three in the afternoon. And he's at me. I feel like I was only sleeping maybe 20 minutes. He's sitting on my bed shaking me, telling me to get up. I'm like, fuck. You know, here we go. So I get in the car with him. We start driving. I'm like, bro, where are we going? And he's driving out towards the country. And I'm like, dude, you better not be fucking taking me out here to fuck me up or have some type of intervention. He's like, no, dickhead, I'm not. You're helping me unload some shit. I want to talk to you. And he already knew what was going on. He knew I wasn't I wasn't well. And so we get to uh, this house out in the country and I'm helping him unload some shit in this barn. And, you know, the storm starts coming in, this gnarly storm. And I'm like, damn. And he's like, I'm about to leave your dumb ass out here if you don't fucking go get the help you need. And I'm like, hell nah, bro. That's dead. So we get back in the car and he's like, all right, bet. So you're going to go to treatment. I said, hell nah, bro. That's dead. He said, all right, we're going to see about that. Right. So we driving through this storm. The storm's starting to give me some PTSD because that rain was coming heavy. And when I lived in Florida, it used to rain like that every day on the dot at two o'clock. It would rain so bad that you couldn't see. 
So my heart's starting to get elevated. Mind you, I am in opiate withdrawal, so I'm feeling fucking weird right now. I'm weak. I'm sick. And I'm anxious because of this fucking storm. You know, so we finally get back to my house. You know, he gives me a cigarette. I'm puffing on a cigarette on the porch watching the rain. And my back's turned towards him. And I hear a, the switch of a knife. So I turn around and he's got this knife and he's staring at me. And he said, now, back to the conversation. And I'm thinking, this motherfucker ain't going to stab me. He said, you going to treatment? I said, no, I'm not. He said, and he takes a step closer, cocks that knife back. He said, you're going to treatment. Now I got to think, do I take my chances and fucking swing on him? I'm so sick at this point in my life that I, I literally considered trying to get stabbed so that I'd have to go to the hospital and they'd have to give me some sort of pain medicine to help with the withdrawal, but obviously to help with the pain. Uh, but I didn't do that. I'm too much of a pussy. So eventually going back and forth and having, you know, a, a verbal knife fight, you know, I agree to go. And I remember once I get there, you know, I'm not feeling it. I am fucking pissed. But great story to tell once you get to uh, the treatment center and everyone asks, well, how'd you get there? What happened? And I say, uh, you know, uh, a good fellow of mine pulled a knife on me, told me if I didn't go, he's going to fucking stab me. So always remember that, you know, when you're when you're down bad on your luck, always remember you could be dope sick getting threatened to be stabbed because you're fucking your life up. It could always be worse. I promise you that it could always be worse. Take that as a life lesson. I'm going to have Father Greg on the show one of these days. Let him uh, instill some knowledge on y'all. Let's keep the episode going. And before we wrap up this week's episode, I just want to let you guys know I am starting to book slots for guests on the show. I've got all kinds of talent coming in, musicians, mixed martial artists, photographers. I got everyone and anyone coming on the show. Even if you're just a regular person and you want to jump on, shoot me a text, message me, call me, however you can get a hold of me. And you want to just come on and bullshit. We can do that. You know, I'm open to anything. Whatever you guys want to hear will do. Um, you know, and I'm super excited for next week's episode. I got a good long term buddy of mine, a childhood friend, Max McCarty coming on. We're going to be talking about anything that, you know, we've experienced in our childhood. And it's a it's been a lot, you know, we've had some, some hilarious things happen, um, you know, and some, and some amazing things, some life changing events happen with each other. And I'm, I'm super excited to, you know, be able to share that and share that with you guys. Um, you know, all the way from skateboarding as kids to the McCarty parties that happen throughout high school. Uh, you know, it's just always something. Um, and it, hopefully we give you guys a few good laughs. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Mind If I Crash podcast. I'll catch you next week. Take it easy, folks.